0: Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Uning joined here, as always, by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle, JD, how are we feeling today
1: doing well. Outside of this football game where you should go apple picking with your child instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how come uh, I couldn't go to zoo lights uh this weekend?
2: You know what I mean? Like what's what's the deal with that? You know, like, who goes I- apple
0: picking in the dark. It's 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 dark out. Like what are, you, what are you doing? Very
1: clearly, that's just uh, an analogy I use. I don't have kids, so I when I <laughs> when I talk about Disney Plus or apple picking, it's just what I make up on the spot.
0: I did manage to uh, stop and smell the roses on Saturday and went over to the uh, pumpkin patch, Um I think is what you're in, implying is
3: what someone should same. do
0: with their time tonight. So yeah, Connor, uh, back after last week, good football game, theoretically, I mean, on paper bucks ravens better than eagles texans but last week you weren't out but you had a good time instead uh welcome back how are we feeling today
2: good uh you know trying to not drink for as long as possible throughout november and we'll see how long you know five days strong and uh you know rolling here this is it's a good start fresh start of the the year right here
3: isn't it november 3rd
1: yeah that's about yep. to ask how how are you five days strong three days in
2: uh, well, well, I started after our party on Friday, so I didn't Got drink it. Saturday. Mm. So I was like a Saturday. I started roll. I was, came in hot into November, you know.
0: Okay. Yeah. Not a big math guy, but uh, you know, it checks out here. So <laughs> our guest this week is part of the uh, elite mafia in the elite sports network. Uh, a man with no softly held takes. He's likely sweating some random dart match or soccer game right now. It is none other than the man himself. It is CJ Colt the siege himself. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Uh, Glad to be here. And uh, actually, no current
3: action. It feels weird. What? You got nothing live right right now? No soccer? Soccer just ended. So, like, I'm just – yeah, it's kind of weird. And I actually only have one bet for this game so far. I was, like, really trying to hold back because this game's terrible. But I suspect that won't last as soon as the show's over. I'll probably be firing, like, ten more.
0: Yeah, well, let's get into it at the top. We'll remind folks that we'll be live right here, 6.45 p.m. Eastern every Thursday, leading you into the Thursday night football game discussing our favorite games on the board, and taking your questions. So if you are hanging out with us on YouTube, uh, smash the like button, subscribe so you don't miss a show. Lots of other great content here on the 444 YouTube page. And then jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite Week 9 bet is. Before we jump into the week uh, slate of games, a ton of home docs too. We're going to talk about a few of them at the top. I want to remind folks that we have two episodes of Move the Line each week, both available to stream on YouTube, also available to podcasts uh podcast form wherever you consume those uh, addition to the game preview here on thursday nights move the line prop drop is live at 2 p.m eastern every friday pat mayo joins connor and myself uh and we will be doing that again on youtube uh podcast wherever you need so if you're listening you again subscribe so you don't miss a show uh and again if you're listening on podcasts jump into the youtube channel next week we we'll talk about the thursday night game before we kick off the sunday game so uh we'll get it started on the road here miami In Chicago, uh, Bears catching five. There's like a couple of rogue four and a half out there. A total of 45 and a half across the board. This is uh, big news for two and on supporters. I know Connor is one of those. The Dolphins undefeated in games that Tua has started and finished this season. And obviously undeniable, this offense is is top shelf when he's there and everything's kind of firing here. Uh, CJ, I'll kick it to you first. What are your thoughts about Miami and Chicago? This feels like a lot of respect for the Bears uh I, I still think they're getting too
3: much credit from that patriots win which was really just a schematic a bad matchup for the patriots and the bears are still kind of carrying that uh, that for weight here i make this six and i probably feel like i still would take dolphins at that point so i feel pretty comfortable in the dolphins minus four and a half here the real question is just simply do i want to take the dolphins team total or take the four and a half that's kind of why i haven't actually bet it yet but i'm going to bet one of those sides
0: yeah connor we've been pretty hard in the Bears, but they've at least shown a little bit of, of hope. Again, they got curb on by Dallas, but like I think Siege is right. It was – like I want to give them credit that they finally started to turn Justin Fields loose with his legs. Uh, obviously, the design run rate is up. Uh, could be a decent spot, actually, for Fields here with Miami blitzing a ton. They blitz on a third of their dropbacks this season. It's the sixth highest rate in the league. We've seen nice days on the ground against Miami with Lamar, with Josh Allen in those situations. It's kind of been something we've been attacking – I have definitely been attacking in the prop market here. Uh, but what are your thoughts here with uh, with Miami? I know there's talks about weather, rain, winds. Again, really tough on a Thursday to you know play weatherman. But what do you think about Miami uh, laying five?
2: I'm not I'm not too worried about that at this point. But I think to what Siege said here, so I'm pretty confident in a few things here. I'm pretty confident that Miami scores. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not the Bears score as well, and that's something that I'm not entirely sure about. But for me, the way that I I arrived ended up at like Miami, Chicago, over 45 and a half points. Last week, the Bears traded away Robert Quinn, allowed 7.8 yards per play the following week against the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, it's like the current leader in like yards per play allowed is like 6.6, so a full yard above that. And then uh, now they traded away Roquan Smith. uh, Tua with Miami, when he's played a full game, they've been top five in basically every offensive efficiency metric, have played awesome so far. Uh, Now matching up against the Bears defense that I think has really struggled. And like you mentioned, though, I think that they've been leveraging Justin Fields kind of like athleticism a little bit more via, you know, runs. They had to chase Claypool is probably just going to run, you know, like clear out routes most of the time and, you know, run nines. But I think that there's a good chance that Miami scores like 30 plus here. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not, like, I think the Bears should hold up there end of the bargain to the tune of like 17 to 20 points. Uh, it's just that I prefer the over and probably there rather than just Miami against the spread. But I think that's probably my lean. Daigle, uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Bears still leaky against the run with the seventh highest rate of explosive carries that go for 10-plus yards allowed as well. So I do think Miami will get to do whatever they want on offense, honestly. Uh, Jeff Wilson should be able to arrive not only with his familiarity and make an impact knowing Mike McDaniel's playbook, but also 51% of Miami's running back carries this year have come from 21 personnel with Alec Ingold on the field And Wilson's actually handled the third most carries from 21 personnel, same system, under Kyle Shanahan. So should be able to just get dropped right in and get familiar really quick, honestly. So I expect to see both Mostert and Wilson in this game. And it's really going to come down to what the Bears can do on offense. And I expect them to move the ball methodically. Uh, Justin Fields, the past five weeks, averaging 22 pass attempts per game. You w- don't think that's much, but considering he averaged 17 in the first month of the season, it's a significant increase. And so overall, I don't know if it's going to be enough to match Miami points for points, but yeah, I, I think there might be, you know, a few points on both sides here.
0: Looks like Miami's team total, if you're wanting to chase that season 24 and a half on DraftKings looks like you're, your best bet there out in the market i don't know i don't want to like overrate the importance of this game for miami like if you really want to be taken like seriously as a contender in the afc you got to go to chicago and dominate especially considering all that's going on there defensively like they should be able to go there and you know hang 27 plus and force the bears to keep up um i think maybe can like you know i think that they defensively are maybe trending in the right direction again i'm gonna give bears credit for showing a little bit of life but i also just don't think we need to be taking them seriously still holding out hope for our under five and a half on the Bears side so uh, i think miami is, is probably the right play
3: but well, the dolphins have scored points basically every week except when skylar thompson was around so yeah, yeah I'm the okay
0: explosives yeah second in explosive play rate um yeah, basically top five as you mentioned everything dvoa you know drop back dvoa or you know uh drop back epa like pretty much everything that we think matters here too so uh chicago in the first half, defensively, 32nd in DVOA too. So even like – you probably have a pretty good feel for this too if you know Miami doesn't take advantage of a bad first half, which the Bears have, have shown all season, fourth in the second half. So they've been significantly better making adjustments at, at halftime, uh, but they've really struggled to come out and slow people down. So expect to uh, – maybe a first-half team total uh, look on Miami side is uh, of interest too. All right, next, a lot of injury news pending in this next game, which makes it a little tricky to handicap on a thursday but we have the nfc south leading falcons getting three points at home against the chargers 49 and a half is the total here we have mike williams and jc jackson went down in week seven before the uh chargers bye week In week eight we know they'll be out for sure still do not know the status of keenan allen which is insane at this point like they bring him back in limited capacity doesn't feel right now we come out of the bye and he's still not really practicing josh palmer cleared concussion protocol he should be good to go here On the Atlanta side, injuries as well, Cordero Patterson designated to return from the knee injury that's cost him about a month, but we don't know that he'll be active for this game. I definitely want to take a look at that. And then secondary has a ton of questions as well. A.J. Terrell, Jalen Hawkins, and they just traded for Rashawn Fenton. Um, He's dealing with a hamstring injury as well. All those question marks in the secondary for Atlanta side. Uh, Siege, what do you think about this one?
3: Yeah, I should note, too, the Chargers are going to be on their third-string kicker. Uh, which is never a place you want to be when you're looking at a field goal game. Uh, this is tough. I. This is kind of like the you, we're paying a Falcons tax here, but I don't know that the Chargers are getting enough disrespect for all of these injuries. Like they are just about as injury depleted as I've seen a team in a long time that's still like got contending hopes. I think you have, to, if you were playing it now, I think you'd have no choice but to take the Falcons, but there's just no way I would put a dime on this until Saturday or Sunday.
0: Yeah, full strength coming off a bye, you would think that we'd be running the bet the Chargers here. I think full strength coming off of a bye, they'd actually be laying more than three points to Dangle. What do you think about this one?
1: The funny thing is that what both these teams want to do is what, the other defense has basically allowed every other team to do. Like the Falcons are one of four offenses averaging at least 33 carries, and the Chargers have given up the highest rate of explosive runs. Last week, Marcus Mariota reached 28 pass attempts. That was his second highest total on the year. He averaged 21 pass attempts per game before that. So I think it's more of an anomaly, and the Falcons and Arthur Smith will go right back to running the ball, successfully probably, in this game too. If we had any confidence in the Chargers injuries, I don't know if you – mentioned Austin Eckler as well. He got downgraded on Thursday. Uh and he's averaging eight catches per game since week two with Keenan Allen out. If we had any confidence at all, like maybe we say, okay, well, the Falcons are also allowing the fifth highest completion rate uh between ten and nineteen yards from the line of scrimmage that intermediate level of the field where Justin Herbert's throwing the ball quite a bit, given that Herbert, 25th in average depth of target this year. Um, throwing on early downs was still a shallow eight on, on early downs as well. Like, yeah, okay, they both these teams can move the ball, but I don't know if I have faith in their injuries right now. So overall, I am honestly slightly concerned. And, you know, maybe the Falcons' money line is a sneaky look here.
0: Minimally, Connor, they feel like a pretty nice teaser leg. I mean, that, again, we have, we have a team total or a game total this high. It's a little tricky. And, again, they're at three. We're not necessarily getting the advantage of teasing through the three, but I don't know. Maybe if they have a nice injury report in the next coming days, I could see maybe a little steam here, but what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah.
2: My initial lean here was like, Oh, I should bet this over. It's probably like, you know, 45, 46 and it's 49. You know I mean? It's like exactly what Daigle said, everything that these teams want to do, they should be able to do, but the chargers are just so beat up offensively. And like, they should still have plenty of success. Don't get me wrong; they should still be just fine. But th- obviously, they don't bring the same level of explosiveness if they had, you know, Eckler, Keenan, Mike Williams, all good to go, hundred percent. And so that's what's stopping you betting the Chargers. And I do think that Atlanta. I, I imagine that the Chargers are going to get the majority of the action here. But I do think Atlanta is probably the sharp side here, who's probably going to be able to ground and pound successfully, not too much of anything through the air because they just don't have to. And I think that that's what we've seen in other games from them. Like that's they can win that way, which is crazy. But it, I mean, it happens.
3: Patterson means a lot here if, if it's really Patterson and he's been practicing this week from the start like even the Tuesday practice what I thought was a great sign for him I, I would love this Falcon spot a lot more if I knew that we were getting like full Patterson go
0: I feel like the big Mike injury is is massive too and I don't feel like it's getting priced in properly because we like Keenan Allen matters but we've seen this we we know what they kind of can and will do without Keenan but with no big Mike to like stretch at all we know that they could put in josh palmer who's not that guy right he's not a big separator he's just kind of intermediate like you know daigle said that's where herbert's working a lot of his stuff but like without that guy without really gonna run Jalen guy guyton out there with really no threat like is like, mike bandy like there's just a bunch of dudes that like we don't even know who these guys are and i, I don't know i feel like no mike williams is, is really impactful so uh isn't guyton still on the ir i don't even think they could use him as their team right team. yeah he's not even yeah he's not even active so this is just a an absolute mess. They just don't have that field stretcher presence, like what you want to be able to take advantage of, of what the Falcons give up. So yeah, definitely need to wait and see.
1: It's a big DFS game discussion as well. And I've kind of been
0: lukewarm on it all week. I'd imagine Eckler is a smash. If he ends up being, you know, active and a no brainer at that point. Cause again, he's just a layup to catch 70 balls. So, all right, keep it moving here. Uh, Next we have Minnesota. On the road in Washington, uh, three, there's some three and a half out there as well for the commanders, total 43 and a half. Uh, Minnesota six and one, I don't think really anyone, I just haven't heard anyone in the national media really think or talk anyone into the Vikings being a truly elite team, but they do have a lot of solid pieces. And again, this NFC is wide open right now, really outside of Philly, uh, very much in control of the NFC North. Offensive lines played well this season. Uh, I think it's the most important matchup really in this game. They're sixth in the adjusted line yards. It's again, more of a rushing metric, but they're 27. The pressure rate allowed. That's really the only redeeming quality of the Washington defense. They pressure the quarterback at the fourth, fourth highest rate in the league siege. uh, What do you think about Minnesota and Washington?
3: I feel like I'm walking into a trap with this Kirk cousins going back to Washington. This isn't a spot where the Vikings are going to show up flat. But the whole reason the, the whole thing you mentioned is like, do I really trust this Vikings offensive line? Like, yes, they've been great, but that one matchup they were terrible in was the Eagles matchup. And that's probably the most talented defensive line they faced yet this season. So this line is telling me that I should be a little more concerned with this offensive line than maybe I am. But it's really hard to see but it's like Kirk Cousins not going in there and winning by seven.
1: It's it's funny too because Kirk across the board, you know, yards per attempt, touchdown rate, um, is putting up his worst metrics with the Vikings ever. Um, But somehow, because of their schedule, I think they're, they're six and one also every Vikings game is the same, except they're winning one score games. Now all of a sudden under it's Kevin same O'Connor. last year.
0: Yeah. They just it's lost them all
1: literally the same, except Kevin Ocado wins one score games. Yeah. So good for him. Other than that though, it's a frisky game, honestly, because at least fearless Taylor Heineke does make mistakes, but at least him moving the ball down is, could y'all hear that? No, here I, I, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Oh of a Ukraine pop-up ad started playing in my ears. Um, Okay. (laughs) I thought it was Raul coughing. (laughs) That's always live too. Uh, But no, the the way the Vikings can move, the way Washington can move the ball in this game is from Taylor Heineke's fearlessness. Like the Vikings have allowed the second highest rate of 15-yard passes this year. And McLaurin, since Heineke went under center, is is getting the ball, a 25% target share in those games compared to a 15% target share from Carson Wentz. Uh, We saw Antonio Gibson also pop up for a season-high 22% target share last week too. So getting the ball to your most talented players in this game against this specific defense in particular, uh, that could do wonders. So yeah, I think think Washington is kind of frisky in this one.
0: Oh yeah, we're no doubt hitting the McLaurin uh, to lead Sunday in uh, receiving yards prop when that drops Minnesota's – dead last and DVOA to receiver ones. You mentioned the highest rate of explosive plays uh, wheels up there on McLaurin. Connor, what do you got in the spot?
2: Yeah, I think also too something that we didn't mention, I mean, Chase Young could return as well. So that like, you know, even elevates the amount of pressure that Washington can get right now. Kirk Cousins splits. I mean, we talked about this actually multiple weeks now, uh, you know, under pressure and versus the blitz and not versus the blitz have been, you know, pretty bad. Also Washington plays man coverage at an above average rate. And that's kind of been Justin Jefferson's like kryptonite a little bit. Like he's gotten locked up against some corners that I don't really think are, you know, awesome. Uh, you know, like Jeff Okuda kind of like, you know, locked him up earlier in the year and like, it's just, he hasn't really been as good against man or a good against man versus zone, which I, I don't really know why. I mean, obviously against, you know, linebackers in green Bay, he was fine, but you know, I, I think against other corners here like even though they're not as strong that also you know kind of adds some stuff to it they're gonna blitz they're gonna play man like who gets open quick and who else who is gonna be able to kind of like separate immediately and that's just not been his strength like right off the bat here so i think that that's my concern i think that washington could you know they, they hit a couple deep balls they grind ryan brian robinson 15 times and antonio gibson 10 times and They come away with like, you know, I don't know about a win, but I mean, I think it'll be close. So I'm not touching it. I think that if you want to play anything, for me, it's probably, there's some three and a halfs out there.
0: I mean, that's probably what I'd play, but it's kind of gross. Yeah, I think they want to play more zone though. That's what they talked about in the William Jackson trade is that kind of, he'd rather play man up a little bit and they want to play a little bit more matchup zone stuff. They moved him over to Pittsburgh. I think you'll probably see more zone looks from Washington moving forward and maybe fewer of those man concepts. Uh, maybe they were trying to you know, placate their best corner, uh, but now he is uh, in Pittsburgh. So a couple other little tidbits here too. Vikings first half team as well. This goes to the Kevin O'Connell scripting thing. Third and offensive DVOA in the first half, 28th in the second half. So again, perhaps backing Minnesota here in the first half or taking Washington live is probably a good look if maybe your natural inclination here is to, to back Washington. Maybe wait a little bit because you could probably get a better number once Minnesota does something – uh, maybe in their first drive or two it seems to be what's happening um and then vikings have the league's worst red zone defense and they like by far they're like the worst against the pass and against the run and then again like sometimes that could be a little noisy and you can make the case for a regression there but i think when we're talking about like the tails i think those things are are probably at least a little bit noteworthy so and then the other side washington's defense is second in red zone d dvoa so like they performed a little bit better an expectation a little better than their baseline in those situations as well, which I think are you know, interesting things to kind of point out here too. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I might take that. Like, I think there are a couple of first half matchups this week that are noteworthy. You mentioned Miami already. And I think Minnesota's kind of in that, that Mark Tennessee has been one of those teams. that probably not this week, but uh, I think those are probably the best way to do it. If you like Washington, I think you might be able to get a better live number. So uh,
1: also if Washington ends up running more zone in this game, his props are already probably too high, but note that Justin Jefferson has caught 34 of 38 targets against zone coverage this year for a 3.2 y- yards per route run, and a very elite number.
2: Yeah, he would he would crush in that instance. Actually, I mean, if they do play more zone, because it was it wasn't like necessarily a big man zone split. It was just like notably that they're playing, I mean, a good bit more man than zone uh, relative to average. You know, we see some teams like, uh, you know, I guess what was it, Miami gave him, you know, some troubles, not necessarily troubles, but. He didn't. He looked off for, right from the game there. It gets like a ton of man coverage and blitz. So,
3: if the Vikings get up alive, over is a pretty good look because commanders will be throwing with Heineke to get back in it.
0: Yeah. We like D.Gaff Heineke. That's that's the best version of that for sure. All right. Rebay, uh, third road game. They are in a row. Uh, they are in Detroit. Three and a half out there for the most part, 49 and a half the total. This is about as soft as a landing spot as this offense and Aaron Rodgers can get. Um, basically, any. Meaningful metric Detroit is, is dead last actually uh shield Capadia from the ringer had this uh, true media's database goes back to 2000. So 23 seasons, it's 734 single season team performances. This year's Detroit lions defense is dead last in EPA per drive. They actually, the other like two that are bottom three are also lions teams. Uh, 200 the 2008 lions and then the uh, 2020 lions so tough scene for detroit but this current iteration of the lions defense is the single worst epa per drive team since 2000 again there's not a lot to like about the packers uh with all that's going on there the defense has been a massive disappointment they're dealing with all sorts of injuries there now but again like if you're not going to do it here, and again, like I get nervous back in the team with a third straight road game. This is a really tough spot, Siege, but uh, what do you think about this one?
3: I'm over. This okay. is the Packers get right spot. Like, let's just assume that the Lions are the worst, maybe, of all time for a reason and not overthink this. And by the way, the Packers showed like some signs in that second half against the Bills. Like, they showed some signs of things that would work. And so I, this Lion seems just so bad. I, I'm just going to assume the lions are terrible at defense until they show me otherwise for maybe a month straight, because that's about what it would take me to believe it. So yeah, over here uh, Packers defense, isn't that great either, especially on turf. Um, yeah. Sign me up for the over.
1: That's that's of points. That's the best part about betting the over is that it requires the lines pushing back. And at home, when everyone's been healthy, everyone being DeAndre Swift and Monroe St. Brown, that's when the lines push back. Uh, 11 of Jared Goff's 12 passing touchdowns have come in Detroit. The Lions have averaged 36 points per game at home compared to just 10 on the road. And the Packers, I do not expect to offer any pushback as well uh, on defense at least whereas we've seen the last two games the things they've changed what they've gotten right is just getting the ball to Aaron Jones more uh, and only the Texans have missed more tackles on running plays this year than the Lions who are allowing the fifth highest rate of 10 yard runs Aaron Jones a team high 15 targets the past two weeks with a season high 24 touches on Sunday night against the Bills even you know there's that that clip going around that even Von Miller when he was pass rushing Aaron Rodgers in the second half stood up and said y'all aren't." passing the ball right now like the Packers just gave up in the second half and ran the ball and the Bills allowed them to because why wouldn't you want a team to run the ball when they're down two scores but it is what works for them and they can do that with ease in this game so yeah I, I like a lot of points in this
3: one and the Lions are so bad against play action too like when they decide to throw there's just gonna be like 50 yard passes wide open
0: yeah, you still get, uh, again, I like the game team total I or the you know the, the game total. But if you, you want to isolate the Packers still, 26 and a half. So we're on the right side of a key number there too. Uh, but again, Dagle makes a good point. The Packers defense is going to struggle to slow the Lions down too. And they have been pretty dynamic at home too. Um, Connor, what do you got in this one?
2: No, that's my look too. Packers team total overs. Love it. I mean, alt overs. I think you can bet that too. Uh, I mean, Amon Ross, St. Brown against linebackers, it's going to be glorious. Uh, you know, it'll be, it should be a good, good atmosphere back and forth there. Uh, against the spread, I mean, three and a half's probably about right. But, and you know, I would
3: take a, I would take a rogue three if you're able to find that. Ramon Ross, St. Brown, most receiving yards for the week when it opens is going to oh, be baby. one of the first things I'm looking at.
1: Uh, where, where the Packers are leaking production is the boundary. They have the third highest completion rate in yards per snap to receivers from the outside. And last year, in those last five games, when Hawkinson was injured, Ron St. Brown's boundary rate increased from 19% to 27%. He's already at a career high, 37% of his routes from the boundary this year. But I bet without Hawkinson, they they just utilize him everywhere all over the field, especially in the first game, trying to get Brock Wright and James Mitchell up to speed as full-time players. So, yeah, Amonron say brown's a good look
0: Jair hasn't been shadowing this year right no he's not he's actually played a bunch last week he did not play much in the slot but he's been playing in the slot a little bit too so yeah he's but not like specifically to to chase anyone so fantastic so they can just run him away perfect yeah Yeah, they can run him away yeah aaron jones over total yards was the first prop i hit this week Uh, i don't know where it's at now 93 and a half i think is uh you know anywhere under 100 15 targets the last two games actually leads the team too because all the issues that they have with the receiving core. We saw, Tagle uh, mentioned too, like 62% of the running back carries three of the past four weeks. He's just he's kind of pulling away from A.J. Dillon. We've seen this ebb and flow a little bit this season, but I just feel like Jones is in for just an absolute eruption spot. So, yeah, it's a. I bet. A I week. bet
1: Dillon makes an impact uh, in December for whatever this team's record is at that time. But right now, no. Nah, I mean, you have you literally, Aaron Jones is your best player. You don't have a choice but to keep him on the field.
0: It's an interesting week. Those are four games, uh, those are four home dogs, which I think are all pretty viable. It's a home dog week. Um, we have a Sunday split of eight early games and just two late games, of course. Uh, but we're going to talk about the two late games now, always annoying. Um, I assume the network thought that this would be a marquee game. The Rams are on the road in Tampa. Tampa is laying three here, total 42 and a half. These are two of the consensus top NFC teams coming into the season, both in the midst of a tailspin, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Neither team can run the ball at all. Rams are dead last in EPA per play in the season. you are defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, they are averaging 16.9 points per game, fifth lowest mark in a league. Like, There's no reinforcements coming. There's nothing to really be super optimistic here schematically. Uh, people wanted last week. They thought, hey, Sean McVay is coming off a bye. He had more time to figure it out and to do some different stuff. No, they fall flat again against the 49ers here. Uh, Siege, what do you think about this one?
3: Tampa. Uh, this is about as good as bounce back spot as Tampa's going to get this season. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, three and five, but they're in first place in the division. They really still have everything to play for here. The Rams are just not that good of a football team. Like they should have lost to Carolina a couple weeks ago, like should have lost. Uh, That's how bad they have been. And I'm just going to be fading them until they show any signs of life. And I got to be honest, like they kept thinking Odell was going to walk through the door and I don't think Odell's walking through the door. So, Without him, like, what are they going to do? Like, this offense has proven to be bad. Tampa's defense has been good. And so it's just going to come down to Tampa's eventually
0: just going to get the passing yards needed to score enough points to win. Yeah. Tampa Bay and getting healthier, too. Like, Keem Hicks, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis all look like they're coming back. And I think even uh, Antoine Winfield got a limited practice in today. So, like, the Bucs are getting healthier, too. So, yeah, I kind of agree, Dale.
1: You can't return from your bye against a familiar opponent and throw for 180 yards, score 14 points, and average less than four yards per play. It's, it's atrocious. This team is completely broken, and not a single player is arriving. To help them out it's the same team so yeah zero faith in the rams whereas the bucks at least the volumes there like Brady's still throwing 48 passes per game the past month completed 66 percent of passes he just has a career low touchdown rate and since the final quarter of week four only leonard fournette and julio jones have crossed the goal line for this offense uh i don't know if this is a game where they score touchdowns but at least the volume will be there from them to move the ball
3: so i do think the bucks just win it's also not a football thing, but like now that the divorce is out there and done. like you just have to imagine he's in a better mental state.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no way that's not a like mental toll and that like wears you down. Like we know how he is, right? He's so wired to, you know, even in the offseason, every day is like just a systematic routine. And he's had to give so much mental energy to divvying up property and whatever else that they have going on. Like, I've done it. It's not fun. It takes a lot out of you. Um, and I don't have all that's going on, uh, that Tom Brady does to still actually, you know, have that happen in season for him. So yeah, I, I, yeah, sure. It's, I think it's narrative based, but like, I think it's just real. And again, it's probably still stressful, but now at least it's behind him and he can move forward. And I think there is something to that Connor. What do you think?
2: Yeah. And I think what's crazy too, is we like, didn't even mention like Cooper cups probably going to play, but he's, I doubt he's gonna be hundred percent. I mean, like Cooper cup, is is Matthew Stafford's first read on 39% of his throws. He averages 6.1 yards per attempt to anyone else, eight yards per attempt to Cooper cup. I mean, how are they going to move the ball? Like their offensive line, they can't run block. They can't pass block. So they have no semblance of a running game. They're bringing back cam Akers. I mean, that legitimately makes them worse. He's like Tyler Higby
3: receptions, like all two, three yard dump downs,
2: right? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he might catch the ball
1: 15 times. Even, even with the total so low on this game too, like the under might be the look here. Cause after last week, Todd Bowles came out because Leonard Fournette didn't have a carry after the first drive of the third quarter and even said that was his fault. Like, they want to get back to establishing the run because every bad coach says that. Um, but, like, this this offensive line is literally a league low in yards before contact. They can't run the ball. They haven't totaled more than 75 rushing yards as a team combined since week one against Dallas. Like, they're awful. And so if we do get more Leonard Fournette running the ball in early downs, like, it's just going to be a field goal fest, if that. The Rams run
2: defense is actually pretty good. Their pass defense is not been good, but their run defense in like top five in most metrics. So like I mean, that would be horrible. But knowing t- uh knowing Byron <laughs> Leftwich and some of his quotes, I mean they'll they'll go right to that spot.
1: Since we have already said one non-football thing, I'll say another non-football thing. I really do think they miss Bruce Arians. I, I think they need that Phil Jackson in the room to get them all right and not let them do whatever the hell they want. Uh, Bruce Arians would be down people's throats right now. He would be benching people. He would be do, doing whatever he could to uh, get this offense back on track. And they're just a mess.
0: I think the Rams team's total under. I took it last week. take it again this week. Um, yeah, I don't mind the game under. But yeah, I mean that Bucks are blitzing on 34% of their opponent dropbacks this season. That is the fifth highest rate in the league. They're also playing a lot of zone behind it, and Stafford's really struggled against zone this season. He ranks 32nd out of 38 qualifiers in Sports Info Sports Info Solutions uh, points above average per dropback. He's just been he's been struggling, and like you said, it's Cooper Cup or or nothing. And again, he's probably less than hundred percent. He probably plays, but again, a tweaked ankle is not something that you, you want here. And there's just nothing else. There's the backfield's a mess. There's no explosiveness. Once they kind of figure out which of the four guys is going to be active and maybe getting, you know, the lion's share of the carries, there's just nothing here. So I kind of agree. This is a a nice spot for the bucks to kind of get right as well. All right. Last game, Seattle again, Seattle back-to-back weeks in the catbird seat here. Uh, They are on the road in Arizona uh, Arizona, between one and a half, two-point favorites here. 49 and a half is the total. Just saw this game a couple weeks ago. It was pretty ugly, pretty disappointing offensive performance on both sides. Seahawks were good enough in the end. Uh, they carried it home 19 to 9. And like four and a half yards per play on both sides. Just kind of middle-of-the-road performances for for everyone. Arizona really tried to like establish the hell out of it in the first half, which is a really bizarre game. Um, surprisingly good Seattle offense this season, as we know. But they've only scored a touchdown on 40% of their red zone trips this season. That's 31st in the league. Uh, league average is 57%. So as good as the Seattle's offense has been, I feel like there's a ceiling for even more. Like, and again, the defense is playing good. Young offensive line. I feel like Seattle's the better team here. Siege, what am I missing? Uh,
3: that spot last week was just a horrible spot for the Giants. Uh, it was like their third straight road game, and they literally were. It was like London, Florida, Seattle. Uh, it, it, it's the worst travel schedule I've ever seen uh, for a team. So I'm just giving them zero credit for that. And as a result, I really like Arizona in this spot. Uh, I think Arizona showed a lot, like with DeAndre Hopkins back, like their offense is just better. Um, Seattle's secondary is finally showing the cracks that we kind of expected. The schedule's getting a little harder. They're not playing these one-dimensional offenses here. I, I think Arizona puts up a lot of points here at home, and I actually really like them uh, in this spot.
1: Uh, my, my only – pushback would be Seattle's defense because yes Hopkins has made Cardinals offense better 34 points per game um, but one Cliff Kingsbury after we gave him credit for moving Hopkins around on Thursday night in his return last week, 67 of his 78 snaps were just on the left side from the boundary. It's the same old shit yet again. And then Seattle's defense the past three games, one of those, of course, being Kyler without Hopkins, but the others being Justin Herbert, and then last week that spot for Daniel Jones, uh, number one defensive DBOA these past three weeks, have allowed just 15 points per game in that time, and only the Cowboys have had a higher sack rate in that span. You could argue that given the number of rookies Seattle is starting, uh, like they're learning to come into their own with the playbook in the second half of the season, entering it now. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of like, I don't think I believe in the over. I don't really have a side pick, but I don't think the points really get there either for both teams.
0: And the 34 points per game since Hopkins is back, they're back-to-back defensive touchdowns in that Saints game too, right? So like they don't even get credit for that per se. So uh, Connor, what do you think here?
2: Yeah, I like the the under a little bit here. I mean, we're looking at a game that just ended up with what was it, like 19-9? Was that the final score? Uh the total now is fifty. I know on paper it's easy to think that you know you can they can get there uh in some ways with I mean, Seattle's defense, like Dagle said, has been playing a lot better And but it was actually it was Arizona's game that was like was the catalyst of like the, the starter of them playing better, which is interesting. Uh, and when we had, you know, Ben Solak on a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned like the great matchup in the trenches for Seattle, like compared to how Arizona normally plays. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I think that for me, it's probably just an underlook. Uh, I think Seattle's a better team, but Arizona is just a team that I don't know. I mean, maybe the pendulum has swung too far. Maybe Siege is right that, you know, like I, I had pretty high expectations, at least offensively for them coming in. They, you know, underwhelmed the times and now, um, you know, may, or maybe a little undervalued only at two points uh, at home here for me. But for me, I think 50 points is a, a shade too high.
3: Let, let me push back uh, because this is an offense that, or a defense that really has given up a lot of points this season. And people really don't give them credit for giving up that many points because they found a way to steal some of these games. But I mean, 27 to Trey Lance slash Jimmy G who hadn't played in a month and a half because they were sitting him out all training camp. 27 at home to Marcus Mariota and the Falcons when they were running the ball 55 times. Uh, they gave up 45 to the Lions, 39 to the Saints. Like, yeah, they did a nice job against the Cardinals on in you know, a one-dimensional spot. Then they gave up 23 to the Chargers despite being up 21 and knowing they were going to throw the whole time. And then last week they got the Giants in a nice spot where the Giants were just dead because they had flown like literally 10,000 miles in the last three weeks. So I-, I just think that this is a little bit too much hype for Seattle. Um, yeah, I- I Arizona's team total over for me is a pretty strong play. I, I think that Seattle kind of –
0: we're going to kind of see that saints lions defense and people are like, where did that come from? And it's been there the whole time. Yeah. Seahawks uh, 28th in points per game allowed the season Cardinals 30th. So uh, they've been right. There is uh equal, very generous lovers as well. I think we we know this is another team, another first half thing. We know that the Cardinals just refuse to do anything in the first 15 to 20 scripted stuff, right? Like they, they're terrible. So again, I think if your inclination is to back Arizona, probably wait live because again, they they just they probably stubble their toe again and do nothing. It just has been so consistent. Maybe James Conner comes back. Maybe that adds a little bit of life. I don't know. We didn't really see that before he went down, but um, again, I'm not ready to say he's washed, but uh, I would love to see them be a little bit more dynamic again. If they had marquise still and with Hopkins, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm trying to, I'm just locked in and anchored to my priors on the Cardinals, which were pretty down in the, in the off season. So, um it should be one of the better games of the week we thought that was going to happen last time and it kind of was a dud but uh again we only have two to watch in the late window so hopefully one of these last two kind of delivers because otherwise we're uh, maybe that will be a good time to go apple picking jd
1: or back to the pumpkin patch whatever you prefer
0: yeah i mean november so pumpkin patches are probably uh you get discount pumpkins at this time so yeah all right gentlemen uh Siege, anything that's off the board that we didn't talk about here that you want to share this week, any other uh, games that you really like or uh, any other leans, things you're looking for?
3: Yeah, Colts-Patriots over. I think the Colts' offense is exactly where the Bears' offense was right before they went into New England. I like the Colts' spot here a lot. Ellinger was really good. Uh, Well, granted, they fired the offensive coordinator. I wish I could just tell the head coach that you're the one calling the plays, firing the offensive coordinator. is not going to do anything. Uh, He can't call for you to run a quarterback sneak on third and an inch from the goal line uh, when your running back is dealing with a bad ankle. But hey, you know, blame whoever you want. But seriously, I they did put up a lot of yards. They, they looked good. Uh, Patriots defense has really struggled um, against quarterbacks with any sort of mobility. So I like the over there. Uh, we, we talked about the Vikings. Uh, the Raiders stayed in Florida this week. I really like this spot minus one and a half. Uh, we saw them come off a dud earlier this season, and they came back with their best performance of the season. And the Jaguars secondary still, I have zero faith in that. So I, I like the Raiders. Uh, you could go the team total over as well if you want to go that direction, but I like this as a bounce-back spot for the Raiders.
0: Yeah, Raiders. looks like there's 23 and a half out there, which is... That's like nice. Just the the right side of 24 is always nice. Yeah. Uh, I also
1: bet to start the week, Jag, Jags Raiders over the entire game. Um, you know, where Lawrence has struggled is the red zone, lowest EPA in the league in the red zone, ninth lowest touchdown percentage as well. But that's where the Raiders elevate teams. They've allowed the second highest touchdown percentage in the red zone and the league's highest touchdown rate through the air. So I expect there to be quite a few points in that game.
0: Nate Hobbs injury for the Raiders is, was pretty bad. So I do think it's a nice bounce back spot. Is there anything else Dagle, uh, on the board this week that you want to touch on?
1: Uh, I like the Ravens, or if you can get them under a field goal as well. Um, Saints were creating the league's second lowest pressure rate before I have chalked it up to all the flu going around the Raiders' room. Uh, they didn't cross midfield to the two-minute warning. Devontae Adams didn't have a single catch of the fourth quarter. It was literally just a game you can throw out the window, even though the Raiders are still fourth in yards per drive and sixth in points per drive, um, whereas the Saints then created a 41% pressure rate. It's it's just not going to happen again. Like Even with all these injuries for the Ravens, All John Harbaugh did was throw his hands up in the air and say okay well we'll give Lamar Jackson the fifth most uh pass attempts in his career so I I expect Lamar to touch the ball 50 times and that is more than enough to score at least 24 points on the Saints
0: Connor what looks do you have here that we haven't touched
1: on
2: something that I think you and I both agree on here uh Jets team total under I know we we grabbed some 17 but there's some 16 and halves out there plus money I still think that that's great if we kind of look and the more the more that I broke it down like Zach Wilson has really only had to play catch up in some sense in like two games so far this season that was against the Steelers uh, where he, you know, threw two picks completed just 50% of his passes and that was against a weak Steelers secondary. Uh, Now, you know, and then last week we saw against new England completed less than 50% of his passes through three interceptions looked largely horrible. uh, And the Patriots were just not able to, you know, pull away there but still you know held the jets to 17 points there and that's with like zach wilson hitting a couple of long passes now facing off against the bills top five in pretty much every pass defense metric could be getting Tradavius white back and they play a ton of zone zach wilson's been horrible against zone and if you look at last year too he played in week 17 against the bills completed seven of 20 passes against this zone bills defense like if we think about what the bills want to do they want to keep zach wilson they want to keep quarterbacks like, in front of them they want to you know kind of like bring bring pressure when they can with their their front guys but They don't want to like do anything crazy. They just want to keep the game in front of them, make you methodically move down the field. It's like the exact opposite of what Zach Wilson can do, like the complete opposite. So it's just like a matter of time, every drive until he messes up or they go three and out. Like it's like, it will be clockwork. So, you know, I I don't, I don't really think they put any points on the board here at barring. Like, I don't know. I mean, it would take like some freak accidents uh, for them to even go over like 14 points in my opinion.
0: 38% success rate against zone is, is really hard to do as a professional quarterback in this league. And, what Zach's doing against zone, which he's going to see almost exclusively here against the Bills. So uh, Tre'Davious White probably coming back to that adds uh, a little bit. Yeah, so definitely, definitely my other look that we didn't get to. So Siege, appreciate it, man. I got one more. I, can... I forgot. Oh, sorry, one more. Good. Uh,
3: so Malik Willis threw one pass in the second half, and <laughs> with Ryan Tannehill downgraded to DMP today, sure doesn't look like he's going to play. If he's out, Chiefs by. I don't know. Pick a number that's over a, twenty. A million, yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. many. <laughs>
1: uh, I, Willis Willis took three sacks and threw a pick on fourteen dropbacks against the Texans. It,
3: it, 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 yeah, and it's just like now that he's going to go play a night game in Arrowhead. Good luck with that.
1: Good, yeah. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. Uh,
3: that was, and then also uh, for the Thursday night football, Texans first punt or first p- drive punt is only minus one fifty five. I have no idea why I make that like minus two twenty. Love all right,
0: it. I like it. I like the derivatives. Yeah, I, I bet Texans over two and a half sacks, uh, and got there on 14 dropbacks last week. So, <laughs> insane. <laughs> insane. hard to do, but uh, thank you, Malik. So, all right, Siege, where can find your stuff?
3: Yeah, uh, positions. you can find
0: them over at fantasyguru.com
3: or on Twitter at the siege DFS. That's where most of the hot takes live.
0: Love it. The best, the best hot takes. So, All right, gentlemen, appreciate it as always. Uh, Let's enjoy, hopefully, uh, entertaining, or at least, you know, the bets come home for us. So uh, some punts, some uh, anytime touchdown juice, you know, uh, 13, 14 Eagles points in the first half and we'll be good to go. So uh, for Siege, Connor and Daigle. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Thanks.